It's that ISU is just longed for another natural rival because we have the one in Weber State. We can always get up for that one. But then, but then our other protected rivalries in the past are Portland State, Northern Colorado, and those schools are rivals in like volleyball. But for football, not. No, no. I mean, it's it, it just it doesn't. You can't sell us on Portland State. You can't sell us on Northern Colorado. You can sell us on University of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bull to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I am joined by Brian Marceau. How are you doing, Brian? Great to be here, Chris. Uh, we also have special ga- guest, the uh, that ISU guy, Ross Cunningham. How are you doing, Ross? I'm outstanding tonight. How are you doing, pal? Good, good. I'm glad to have you on. Today's episode, everybody, we're going to be uh, spotlighting uh, our linebackers, part of our 2020 spotlight before we get into the spring game. We're also going to be talking everything to do with Vandal Hoops, and we're also going to be talking the Battle of the Domes. That's why we have Ross on, because uh, we're going to finish that up here in basketball, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it on the football side of it as well. But before we get into any of that, we have the most important part of every podcast, because we are brought to you by Montucky Colts snacks ain't nothing like cracking a montucky cold snack an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country the best part is when you crack a snack you're giving back montucky cold snacks donates eight percent of all profits back to local causes even right here in idaho sporting organizations like the cw hogs and the idaho food bank yeehaw that's freaking awesome montucky cold snacks a light america a light american lager for pow pow rippers Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. All right. We are hopping into Around the Bar, starting with we're going to recap what happened in basketball. Luckily, there's not too much to recap because we have a lot to talk about Idaho State and the linebackers today. So, for Northern Colorado last week, the men's team got absolutely slalloped, 93-49. to The women, on the other hand, pulling out a big win, 70-65. to Brian, takeaways? Yeah, against, in both games, it was it was done by halftime. You know, we, we trailed Northern Colorado 46-22 to at the half. We trailed Southern Utah 43-15 to at the half. Uh, there's not really much you can do at that point, and we certainly didn't improve on the margins. Uh, just to give you know a little bit of credit or point out a couple guys who had okay games, because when you get beat like that, no one had good games. Against uh, Northern Colorado, Trayvon Allen had 14.6 rebounds, but it took him 17 shots to get to those 14 points. Uh, Javeri Christmas had, I believe, a career-high 13 points as well. Uh, we had 49 total points, so no one else really did much that game. Then Southern Utah, we lost 87-55. Uh, you know, you you guys, because you didn't go to BSU, you can handle that basic math of a 32-point loss. Again, no one played well. Trayvon scored 17 points, picked up four rebounds and three assists, but he took 20 shots to get to 17 points. Scott Blakeney had a pretty – I mean, Scott Blakeney had a great shooting game, went 7-7, seven seven, scored 17 points. But, I mean, obviously when you're losing by 32 – you're not gonna take. You're not gonna take much away from. Hey, a guy made all of his shots. Sweet. Uh, we still got killed. So I guess I don't know. Congrats to Scott. Um, big picture for basketball. We are. 
it's a great thing this season's coming to an end. How about that? Yeah. Um, women, big big time, got the W. Southern Utah, though, the men, not much better, 87-55. The women had a much better-looking wing, 70-57 on senior night. Um, so thank you to uh, all the Vandal women that have supported us or, you know, really been part of a really good run in Vandal women's basketball history. But they, they've they got unfinished business. We expect to see them down in Boise continue this run. And uh, I, we'll see, but I don't want to get people's hopes up. I think we'll be seeing them in late March as well. Brian, any takeaways from Southern Utah? You know, there is something I want to talk about with the women's team real quick. Of uh, after, you know, just some statistical highlights for them real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Northern Colorado, we had three uh, – we had four – yeah, four four of our women scored in double figures, led by Lizzie Klinker with 17. Uh, Gina Markson added 15 in that game as well. Then against Southern Utah, uh, we had another four four of our women scored in double figures. Both the Klinker sisters hit double figures. Lizzie with 23, uh, Natalie with 11, Gina Markson again 15 points, but also picked up six assists. Um, and just to thing real quick with our women, um, if the tournament started today, they'd be the number two seed. Yeah, it, they are. Uh, I'm really excited to see how they continue this this season into Boise, um, but it, it, they still got a week ahead of them. They, this week they've got actually playing tomorrow, so this episode won't be live for podcast listeners yet. But it will be up on YouTube for everybody that watches us on YouTube. Which you might notice Brian Marceau does not have video. We were not able to figure that out this week. Baby steps towards April 17th, everybody. Baby steps towards April 17th. We do have uh, – so they will be playing um, Weber State down in Weber uh, at 6 o'clock. So make sure you tune in on Wednesday for that if you're listening on YouTube. If you're on the podcast, I hope you watched it and enjoyed it. We, you can talk about a win next week. Men's basketball will be March 5th, so that's Thursday, 6.30 p.m. in the Dome against Weber State. Uh, from what I understand, Brian, Weber State having a down year this year but still – not going to be an easy team, especially for a team like Idaho to pull out a win the way we're playing. No, the the big thing with Weber State is Jarek Harding being healthy. Jarek Harding is leading score in the Big Sky Conference. Um, he's not going to be the career leader in scoring for the Big Sky. He'll probably finish his career as the number two scorer. He's a four-year starter, averaging over 20 points a game again. Uh, big question is, one, is he healthy? Or two, does does coach Randy Ray have him sit out? So that, you know, Weber's not going to win games in the tournament if Jarek Harding isn't close to, I don't know, 80%. Looking forward to Idaho State, we have the Bengals coming up this weekend for both the men and women. The women play Friday uh, down in Pocatello in, I believe it's Reed Gym, correct? That's correct. So make sure you tune into that one. That one's going to be a great game. And it's the last chance to see these girls before the tournament. Men's basketball Saturday at 2 p.m., I mean, Brian, or I guess Ross, what should we expect? Because we've already told our listeners what to expect from the Vandals this whole season. We'll cover what to expect in this game in particular. But could you tell us a little bit about Idaho State and what to expect? The men or the women's program? Uh, Let's start women's and then we'll end men's. All right, so this is coming from my perspective, mind you. But um, I think that something that you can expect is going to be a very tight 
hard-fought game between both of these two teams. Obviously, it's going to be it's you know it's going to be in Reed Gym, so expect there to be a little bit of animosity from the crowd because of you know it's it's John Newley coming back to his old stomping grounds at Idaho State, and so you know expect the crowd to be down here to be a little bit more animated, especially since it's on Senior Day. The I think that you can expect there to be some good hard-nosed play from Idaho State. You're going to be seeing a lot of very interesting rotations. I feel because we're working, we're still working with uh, with the we're, we're still we're still working and experimenting with different rotations since we've had injuries and some redshirt decisions we've had to make earlier in the year. And uh, but I but um, I will you should expect there to be more of a set rotation now that I think we've gotten more comfortable with various substitutions coming in. Um, Obviously, the player to be uh, to really watch will be Dora Golish. She has really caught fire over the last couple of weeks, especially from beyond the arc. You could also, you know, I would also keep an eye on Callie Bourne. She's been a real presence both on the wings and in the post. Ellie Smith has been phenomenal uh, as a as a defensive presence. You know, she's averaging a couple of blocks a game. I'm not sure what the actual stat is, but uh, I know that she's getting she's good for at least two or three blocks block shots a game and uh, uh Diablo Canate is a an extremely explosive and very exciting player to watch. She can get up the court in a flash. She's very very creative with the ball. She knows how to create openings with that speed that she has and yeah, so it's going to be this week is going to be really exciting for the women. And um, it's it's something that I'm looking forward to. I always look forward to it when John comes down. He's an old friend of mine. He's one of the two coaches that really helped me get my start years and years ago as an Idaho State Super fan. So I'm always looking forward to seeing John and, uh, and his staff when they come down here. As for the men, um, it's it's interesting. We're, the staff is still in a state of flux right now, so, since I'm pretty sure you guys saw that uh, assistant coach Jared Fay was placed on was placed on leave in the middle and, of the game, uh, and was event- was eventually let go. <laughs> and, um, so that situation still, I think you're. I, I think we're still trying to figure things out. I, it's for the most part, you're going to see those guys play. They're still going to be getting up for these games. It's going to be interesting to see what the new coaching dynamic is, and especially leading into the off season. But um, I think, despite just barely snapping a 12 game win streak. I think the win over Weber last night has given us some new life for, for the next two weeks. And so I think you're going to be seeing a Bengals men's team with more of a fight this weekend than you have in the last couple of weeks where they've been, they've been starting out really strong. They get a good momentum and then they just fall flat and, you know, and, um, trying to, trying to shake off the, um, trying to shake off the, um, the shock to the morale that we had earlier this season. Yeah, and I, I think it's just, from my point of view, before we have Brian break down the real big Idaho side of it, is just, I find it so weird that the the women's team is sitting so high in both the standings, like uh, Idaho sitting at the two, uh, Idaho State sitting at the three, and then the men opposite, com- at, the, at the very bottom. So, you know, winner of, depending on how the Weber State games go, which both should be Idaho, which probably should lose, um, but... Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. but I can add, you know, from my perspective, I think there's actually a reason for that. And then, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, ISU women's basketball has a solid identity. It has successfully transferred 
success it, it successfully transferred coaching coach, got not transferred it successfully changed coaches over the last 20 years that kept the program going we went from Artie McAnally, Missy Hyatt John Newley and then Seton Soboleski has been the real he's been the real rock for us for the last 12 years but um, it, it's they have a brand they have an identity they have a very they have a very active alumni base, you know, and Mark Liptak, especially our play-by-play, has done a phenomenal job in getting that brand built up over the last several years. Men's basketball, on the other hand, at ISU has really struggled with an identity. It's struggled with, it's struggled with trying to get, trying to get that, you know, sense of who they are, and that goes from, from my time at least, Joe O'Brien to Travis Martin to Bill Evans, and now uh, Ryan Looney. Uh, but I'm still. I'll tell you this though, guys. Before we before we move move over over to Idaho, I will say this that I am very high on Ryan Looney. I'm sold on Ryan Looney and the staff. I think they are what we need. Maybe not in the wins losses column for right now, but they are what we need is for establishing a brand and an identity that we can market out to recruits to come here to Idaho State. Yeah, Brian, the Idaho side of this, what's going to happen? Re- well, first, just to buttress some stuff Ross said, um, if you are interested in following the women's game, everyone on Twitter should be following Andrew Houghton. That's Andrew H202. He's the beat writer who covers the Idaho State yeah, women's really team. Um, so if, you, if you're if you interested in that Idaho-Idaho State game, follow Andrew. He, he will feel like your own personal ESPN supplement. I can second um, that. That man has got excellent coverage skills. Yeah, for the Idaho Idaho State women's game, I mean, first off, these two teams are likely playing for second and third place in the Big Sky tournament. Um, they're they're also like statistically as close to carbon copies of each other as you can possibly get. You know, we look at scoring margin. Idaho State is plus six point seven on the year. Idaho's plus six point five. Scoring defense. Idaho State has the top scoring defense in the league. Idaho's number two. We're again, we're talking about the women's game real quick. Scoring offense, Idaho's number seven scoring offense. Idaho State's number eight. Point seven points is the gap between them. Uh, these two teams have truly been neck and neck essentially the entire year. So if you are following the Idaho women's team, uh, this is a this will be a sweet way to end the year for them. Shifting to the men real quick. Mm-hmm. It's the battle for last place. <laughs> now, I really wish Idaho State hadn't won against Weber. So it truly would be the battle for last place and that whoever won had sole possession of last place. Sorry, whoever lost had sole possession of last place and whoever won had sole possession of second to last place. I believe at this point uh, we'd have to pick up another win. Uh, we'd, have to be, we'd have to beat Weber for this to truly be a game for last place in the conference. Um, you know, we, We've kind of joked a lot this season about how Idaho has not really improved the way we thought they had. Um, Idaho State, look, their season started in some ways similar to, to Idaho of starting out looking promising. Then Idaho State just ended, what was it, a 12 or 13 game losing streak. Um, Idaho State has the second worst scoring margin in the league at negative 6.3. But after getting killed, our scoring mar- margin is negative 10.9, which is only about three points off of last year's total. So, again, for the growth people, we're, we're starting to lose that growth. Uh, big thing for Idaho again is look, Trayvon has to have a huge game. And if Trayvon has a huge game, meaning 25 or more, um, if we can get another guy in double figures and then a couple guys to score around seven or eight, we're okay. Uh, maybe the best thing for us is that Idaho State um, 
they don't have the most electric offense. Um, however, a lot of teams look pretty dang electric against us just because of how bad we are offensively. Yeah, and uh, so real quick before we get into quick predictions from us, and now we're just going to predict the Idaho-Idaho State game. I, I think we beat Weber just because I've got nothing to lose if we don't. I've been looking forever. From the current Battle of the Dome standings, I see it's 40 points Idaho, 20 points Idaho State. So we will see who wins it. These games could be crucial. If Idaho State sweeps Idaho this week, we're tied at, I believe, it's 10 points a game. So 40-40. I'll start. Uh, I think the Idaho women, I think they, they stomp them. Uh, don't stomp them. That's, that's the not right the term. I think they win just because I think, <laughs> I think it's going to be a very close game. But this team just has something. I don't know. They feel magical this year, almost more so than last year. But Idaho State is definitely a major roadblock in that. The other thing is uh, I, I think the men's team, I'm not sure they can pull off Idaho State. They have. I actually think we beat Weber but lose to ISU. Uh, it's just, I don't know. This season has been so weird for the men, and I just don't see it getting necessarily any better against Idaho State. But I could be totally wrong, and obviously I'm – I think it's going to be a close game. It's definitely a game worth watching. It's senior night. It's a good way to say goodbye to Trayvon Allen. So definitely tune in. If you're in Moscow, go. But uh, I, I think the women have a good shot at beating Idaho State. I think the Idaho State men are probably going to beat us, but the men pick up a win on Thursday against the Wildcats. Brian, or should we – let's go Ross, and we'll smush the bangle between the Vandals and predictions. Uh, you know, I hate to disappoint you, gentlemen, but uh, I, I'm not really in the business of making predictions. See, the last time I That's made fine. a prediction was a couple of years ago when football had hosted Montana for the first time in like, you know, 10 years because the conference is so damn unbalanced. <laughs> but um, so I predicted, it's like, oh, you know, we've got a great, uh, we've got a good offense. It's, you know, solid defense. We're, we're going to do fine. It's, it's, it's going to be great. And then we got shut out 30 to nothing and did not even cross the 50 for most of that game. So uh, <laughs> the only thing I am going to say is it is, it's going to be a very hard fought game mm -hmm. on senior day at Reed Gym. You know, John Newley's old stomping grounds. So as I said earlier, expect expect a, a very energetic Bengal crowd looking to get after uh, looking to get after it but uh, I, I do I you know I'll, you know what you know what? I'll just say this I'll, I'll say this I would expect that game to go into the 50s or 60s scoring wise and I don't I think the winner wins by only a few points I would say five to seven points total text uh, we beat Idaho State in Moscow 62-56 I'm going to say I expect the women to win a close game. Uh, they've they've rebounded since losing to Northern Arizona by three. Ha they have a three-game winning streak going. I'm going to trust that continues. The men, man, I, I, it's not that Idaho State's going in the right direction. It's that our, our men, the season needs to be over. You know, ever since Zach Kloss has been named head coach, look, we, we haven't had the last single-digit game we had was a win against Eastern Washington on February 13th. Since then, we lost by 21 to Portland State, lost by 17 to Northern Arizona, lost by 11 to Sac State, but it felt like 21. Then we lost by 44 to Northern Colorado, mm -hmm. and then 32 to Southern Utah. Um, I just don't – I think I, I think our Vandals are trending in the wrong direction, and I think Idaho State – yeah, I think Idaho State is likely going to come up with a win. Yeah, 
Uh, I think we all had good breakdowns on this. But, I mean, it's no secret. I don't know how Idaho State is. Ross, I don't know how much of, if you listen to any of our episodes, if you listen to all of them. But we have discovered the sneaky basketball history of Idaho State having, like, all of these Elite Eight finishes or Sweet 16s that nobody knows about. But Idaho is definitely more of a football school. I don't know where the Bengals lay on that. But I want to discuss a little bit of the gridiron rivalry because – uh, it's been no secret. I've written a couple pieces now that have very highlighted uh, Idaho State, One, two of which are on tubs at the club that I'll probably link in the description here for people on YouTube. Uh, one was called Killing Off an Old Rivalry for a New One, maybe the best way to end or to win the old one, talking about how if you're an Idaho fan, you really need to focus on absolutely – getting rid of everything to do with Boise State on the football field and really making Idaho, Idaho State a thing because I think that's the best way for Idaho fans, and I don't know how Idaho State fans feel about Boise State, but a great way to really move past them because if we become this thing that the state cares about. The other one I talked about is that I had kind of explained how it's not really a rivalry, even though it makes sense it probably should be a rivalry, um, which I think is something that – a lot of people are confused about when they hear Idaho and Idaho State aren't even protected rivals in the big sky. Um, and then the other thing I really want to talk about is I wrote an article on t- uh, Tubs of the Club discussing how to fix Idaho's schedule, particularly about that well, because we're not protected rivals, there is a year, I think in two years, where we don't play each other. So I guess I'm just kind of curious on your perspective, what is this rivalry like as a Bengal fan? Are you excited to have it back? What do you remember from any of the old days? And kind of how do you think, as a Bengal, this rivalry should be attacked from Idaho side and from Idaho State side? Oh man, I'm glad I am glad we are having this discussion right now. <laughs> All right, so so I don't so just as a just as a quick uh, disclaimer, I I did I moved up to Pocatello in 2000, but I didn't really get involved with Idaho State until 2006. So by the time I got my starts as an Idaho State diehard, the Idaho rivalry had been dead for about 10 years by that point. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not I couldn't tell you anything about the old days, about the knockdown dragout fights that ISU and Idaho used to have back in you know all the way up until the mid 90s when they left for the whack. I will say. Um, Right now, as of right now, it's a game that has tremendous potential, but it's not quite a rivalry yet because it's still new to so many people. I know that a lot of Idaho State fans are huge on it. I know that a lot, and I, I think that us damn near selling out the dome two years ago was proof of that. You and know, you traveled well six... to the Kibbe Dome. What's that? And you traveled pretty well to the Kibbe Dome this year. Yeah, yeah. And see, it's just, it's that ISU is just long for another natural rival because we have the one in Weber state. We can always get up for that one. Mm-hmm. But then, but then our other protected rivalries in the past been Portland state, Northern Colorado. And those schools are rivals in like volleyball where in the past competition between those three teams was fantastic because they were all contenders to the big sky championship at various points. But for football, not no, no. I mean, it's it, it just it doesn't. You can't sell us on Portland State. You can't sell us on Northern Colorado. You can sell us on the University of Idaho. And when I saw when I ran out in the when I ran the football team out on the field back in 2018, and I saw a packed Holt Arena, I knew we had something there. I knew that this was something that we could turn it. 
to a huge rivalry over the next few years. But for right now, it's something we still need to develop. We still need it. Still needs a little bit of that spice. It still needs a little bit of that kick that, like like a good rum and coke, that all rivalry that all rivalry games need. I would say for right now, just give it a little bit of time. And you know maybe trade wins over the next couple of years yeah. and get some you know get some social media trash talking going all in good fun yeah. and I think I think that it's going to be something fantastic because as you pointed out Boise State yeah they've got a decent football program but they don't really have anything attached to it now who's their rival the Nevada Reno you, depends no. depends on what year depends if Fresno's good depends if Reno's good depends if UNLV is good or Wyoming yeah. I, it, Colorado yeah. State, they they change based on the year. They're they've got more of a rivalry with BYU than anybody they yeah. have on the mountain. West. I would say and that's, that's probably correct. Temporary deal. Yeah. What's that? I would say that that is spot on. I'd say their biggest rival right now is probably BYU. Yeah, it is absolutely. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people outside of the state of Ada feel that uh, Boise's star is pretty much set. You know, it's it's never going to be that world beating top five you know, in your face to the to the Power Five conferences that it was in the mid-2000s to the early 2010s. It, it, those days are gone. It's not selling out stadiums like it used to. Boy, you know, you know, the Smurf turf isn't as intimidating as it was a decade ago. Nope. And a lot of, there's a lot of rumblings against Brian Harson that he's underachieving with a lot of talent that he has. And I would say that this, you know, circling back to what you said earlier as to how we feel about Boise State down here, I, I, I feel like it's, it's gone a little bit toward the wayside. I mean, if you wear a Boise State shirt at an ISU game, you're probably going to get dirty looks from people, but it's not nearly as bad as it was 10 years ago when, we had a former sports editor at the Journal who was a huge Bronco homer who would constantly tweet out all this stuff about how great Boise State was and how great Kellen Moore was while not offering the same sort of coverage or the same sort of coverage or care to Idaho State back then, even even though back then we were absolutely terrible. As far as the Idaho game goes, I and, I, and this is just from my perspective as you know, speaking to what Idaho should look for in this game, Idaho absolutely 125% needs this game to establish itself as a with a new identity and you know what on that you know, on that note i would say it also needs to revive you know to really push to revive that game with montana idaho montana used to be huge for decades before mm -hmm. they left absolutely huge it was it was one of the biggest games in the uh, in the old 1AA back in back in those days idaho montana because both were both had outstanding both both really, really competed, in, you know, with a foot, you know, a football back then, and both, it was a strong regional rivalry too, you know, Western Montana versus Northern Idaho, and I like, I, I, I feel that Idaho really needs to work with Idaho State to tell the conference you need to make this a protected rivalry game. If you have to sacrifice something else down the line, do it, but this absolutely needs to be a rivalry game that's protected because not only does it benefit both schools in establishing a real identity with the two, but it does a whole hell of a lot for both communities. Yeah. You know, 12,000 people at Holt Arena, people feel like they're really part of something, and the same thing applies to Moscow. It's It, it just it benefits both Moscow and Pocatello in so many ways because now people can really get invested in something and coming from the big 10 and having lived in salt lake in the 90s back when you utah and byu used to have their knockdown drag out fights in mm -hmm. basketball i can tell you right now that a rivalry game 
that's that's cared for, that's protected, and that's emphasized and marketed, it just it does wonders for both schools. And I think that's what both schools really need to do. Yeah. Brian, what are your kind of thoughts on the Idaho State rivalry? I mean, I know we've kind of discussed it, but I've since I actually think you're the first Idaho State person we've had on. Uh, it, it makes sense to kind of air all of our stuff with you. The, I, I think the Idaho State game is something that, that look, until conferences are, until there's some sort of conference realignment, we need to treat the Big Sky seriously. And there are teams within the Big Sky that we know it's in our best interest to treat, let's say, a little bit more seriously than others. Idaho State is absolutely a brain dead, this needs to happen every single year kind of game. Now, both these fan bases, I don't know if you'd call them sleeping giants, but I'd say if you consider the limited success Idaho State, like Idaho State hasn't made the SES playoffs since 1983. In spite of that, well, yeah, but like, and that's not meant as a put down. In spite of that, when we when we played our our first game in Holt Arena, coming back, you guys nearly sold the place out. It's really hard to sell out an arena when the team's not winning. So the fact that that's even on the table what before Idaho State's truly rebuilt should tell you how much potential this rivalry could have and it needs to have. Uh, University of Idaho, by the way, same same thing. Our best attended home game, it was Idaho State, and yeah, that was homecoming. That probably helped. The fact that we were able to get more people in for the Idaho State game, again, it shows there is interest in this game. And for the love of God, if Idaho and Idaho State could quit finishing right around last place in the league, it won't be as hard to get butts in seats. Oh, no, you would. Uh, you know, I've, I've always said this, you know, I, I've always remarked this to uh, to Weber fans who've, who've given us, you know, a hard time for our attendance and over the last couple over the last decade. But I've always said that if you get a winning Idaho State program. I guarantee you they will have to drag out the basketball bleachers to put in the end zones because there would be that much of an overflow because fan interest fan interest would be that high. Like think of it this way, that 2018 season where we hosted you guys for the first time in ever, we were 6 and 5 that year. We had four games that were at least 3 quarters capacity full including two that nearly sold out. You know, so if Idaho State gets the ball rolling and you have a winning Idaho State hosting a winning Idaho. Oh my God, you're like that. That place is gonna be an absolute madhouse, and it's gonna be the greatest show in Southeast Idaho. I swear to God. Greatest show in Idaho. Screw the boys on the blue. But I, I just want to say, do you guys think Seconded. that one thing that really helped this rivalry? I think at least from the Idaho perspective, and Ross, this is where I want to kind of hear you. Is I mean, if you're looking at the rivalry historically right i think that's where you're saying this isn't really a rivalry yet because looking at it, idaho's won 70.7 percent of the matchup so 29 and 12 all time in this game where i think what helped was what we're talking about in 2018 when idaho came back to the big sky and got it was early enough in the year where most vandal fans still thought the team was pretty good we just weren't like playing well and uc davis seemed like a flop but then they came it became good but i think that you guys just absolutely broke our nose in 2018 is really what made so many vandals want to turn out this year for the game in you know the kibbe dome and i'm just wondering as an idaho perspective i think that added that element to the rivalry you're talking about we're gonna need some games and i think for an idaho fan a close loss to idaho state we would have been like oh you know bad coaching whatever the the bad loss literally made us like 
angry and upset, and we made sure we made it to the next game. And I think that kind of helped build it for Idaho fans to be like, all right, no, we need to focus on Idaho State because maybe we didn't consider them a rival or we joke about it not really being a rivalry or people actually think it's not a rivalry. But then when we got our teeth kicked in, not only did we have to hear it from Idaho State fans, we had to hear it from Boise State fans because they still love to rib us even though they say that's not a rivalry. I think that really helped. And I think going forward, I'm not saying you guys are going to have to kick our teeth in every single time we're playing down in Pocatello. I think it's eventually going to help for both teams to maybe get some wins at the other person's place. But I think for Idaho fans in 2019, that 2018 loss made that game so much more important. Uh, I'm wondering if Idaho State fans, did you already care, or did that game kind of make you guys get up even more for it this year? I think the win, I think your guys' win up at the Kibbe Dome is going to get a lot of people uh, worked up for the uh, for when you guys come back down to Pocatello because now we've traded wins. We've, we've had two games against each other. We've traded wins at each other's places. Now there's now there is a very vested interest in saying, okay, you know what? Well, they're oh, they want to go ahead and beat us by like twenty some up points in their homecoming. Oh, okay, cool. Let's let's see what it's like when you come back down to Pocatello this coming season. Let's you know, let's let's you know, let's have at it. We're gonna we're gonna really make this we're gonna make this a game, and we're gonna oh, and I guarantee you, there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna turn out for that game because that interest is there. Um, you know, despite the fact that uh, football did not finish as well as people had hoped this past season, I think the interest is so strong that you're, regardless of where our football program sits next year, you're going to see a lot of interest. You're going to see a lot of people coming for this game, for the Idaho State-Idaho game. And historical win percentage aside, I think it's a regional thing, too. I mean, those games in the past, I'm always told, were at least we're at least we'll always got a whole bunch of people out for those because it was such a regional thing. Southeast Idaho versus North Idaho, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, it really adds spice to the, it really adds, you know, spice to the game. And I think there's still a lot of that coming in now, even though the game, even though the renewed rivalry is still so fresh, I think there's still that, that angle we can play on that, that, that people can play on. And as I said, um, I think a lot of people are really looking forward to it because as I as I said earlier it's just it's so nice to have a second team that we can play that we can get up for. If you look at our schedules, who have we been stuck with the last, you know, decade or you know decade or two with the Big Sky? We've been stuck with all of Doug Fullerton's little welfare projects and Cal Poly and and you know Cal Poly and Sac State, and UC Davis. Nobody gets up for those programs. You know, we get stuck with Northern Colorado every year. We don't play. We we host Montana once every four years, and we're all charter members of the conference. We don't get to play Montana State very often, and we're charter members of the conference. We have Weber State that we play every year. You know, that's a game we're always going to get up for. But it's just it's so it's it's refreshing for us to have Idaho back because it's it's a it's a natural rival that we can latch onto that we can say, you know what, these guys are coming to town. Let's let's. Screw it. We're, we're turning out. We're we're making you know we're making this a game. And I I think it's from the Idaho State fans' perspective. We're we were positively giddy when you know we were. Well, I wouldn't even say giddy. We were absolutely jumping with excitement when we were gonna when we when we found out we were gonna be hosting you guys in 2018 in your first year back. We were like I know like I know I was giddy. Yeah. I was shaking hands with I like I was shaking hands with every Vandal fan that I met walking back up to our student section. Yeah. I was like it was like Christmas Day. Yeah. Hey, so, Brian, I'm curious on your point from a Vandal perspective, especially you with 
unique ties in being a Grizz and a Eastern fan. Kind of our other two games were kind of competing with this one, and the one two the two reasons why this game's not a protected rivalry. I mean, do you think? I'm curious. We'll probably post a poll on this too for everybody that's listening. Probably Thursday morning. What rivalry do you think? I, I mean, obviously, I think Idaho. We'll see. Idaho. The future is so long away, but. I'm not sure if Idaho, Idaho State will ever take over Idaho, Montana. Maybe because, like we've mentioned, that rivalry has lost so much steam after we went to the FBS. Do you see a a point where maybe Idaho, Idaho State becomes a bigger game for Idaho than Idaho Eastern, or do you think because they're 77 miles apart, Idaho and Eastern is bigger? I don't think it's going to be able to overtake Montana, partially because Montana's just been good forever. And that has its own momentum, its own inertia. It's ninety meaning games. The Chris in. fans travel. Yeah, and it's been, oh yeah, uh, they do. You know, the now uh, Eastern Washington. I'm gonna put a big maybe, and I'm I'm gonna have to sound, you know, like a broken record or something like that. The big question is, look, can these Idaho programs win? You know, if Idaho Idaho State is a game that has playoff implications. Absolutely, that could become. I think that can become a big deal. I think there's a chance with our with the Big Sky with FCS and whatever future conference realignment that can take place. I wouldn't be shocked if football, college football, um, at our level, it starts to have the kind of minor league baseball effect of, yeah, it's not getting national coverage, but in its area, it starts to become a really big deal. Um, I think Idaho, Idaho, Idaho State definitely could be that. The big thing for both of these guys. And Ross, I mean, you 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 know this because you're living through it. This season, Idaho and Idaho State won a combined five Big Sky football games. Mm-hmm. And right now, Idaho and Idaho State men's basketball have a combined seven Big Sky wins. You know, the big deal is these teams finding the right coaches and these teams being competitive. Because the, the issue for us is neither Idaho nor Idaho State is big enough name recognition to just take over media on its own. It needs the legwork of wins. That that's how we that's how the game starts to become about more than hey, it's just you know, it's not just the battle of the domes. It's yeah, it's the battle of the domes, and only one of us is going to make the playoffs. But we're both you know looking at ha- at being six and two or five and three in conference. So this game really matters. Yeah. See. Yeah. And. Uh... Just to get on that point real quick, and I apologize if I, oh, if I butted in, I um I do want to say that all rivalry games over time develop certain little storylines, just like what you were saying, like, you know, one game you're in, the, you know, if we beat our rival here, we're in the playoffs. If we lose, we go home and watch basketball, or, or if, you know, we go home and watch softball. You know, it's all rivalry games have those like those like little moments those little storylines moments that people can really latch on to whether you know um you know uh but rivalries rivalries have stuff like that in them that just adds so much personality to it so it's not just trading wins to the domes it's not just you know it's not just marketing a you know a catchy slogan like that it's just letting it grow and develop over no just one last thing i wanted to add and i, I think that we have set up Idaho and Idaho State at this point with football specifically has been set up perfect to turn into a rivalry by Idaho State thrashing us, hanging 62 on us in year one back in the big sky, but then us scoring 42 on them in in Moscow where we we trade ass kickings. I think that was that was helpful in making this the type of game. Okay, people are going to we got to give people a reason to pay attention. Wins absolutely matter. They're going to matter forever. But 
like Ross was saying, the rebirth of this has a storyline. Yep. We traded blowouts. Yeah. That's a great way to make both both schools, you know, a little, little touchy to, towards each other, a little or more likely to see that game as like, okay, we got to win that game. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. So what do we do, boys? 2021, protected rival Idaho State falls off our schedule because we've got to play Montana and Eastern every year, which most Vandal fans would say we should be playing every year. The conference, unfortunately, isn't at 12 teams, which is divisible by three, so we could have you know three protected rivals. Fortunately, it has 13, so it doesn't work out that way. So the, we got to figure out a way to get Idaho State on the schedule, is my opinion. And I, in my article I did on fixing Idaho schedule on tubsoftheclub.com, I talk about how we're playing, I believe, Simon Fraser in 2021, going off pretty much top of my head here. Uh, drop Simon Fraser. It was supposed to be a week one game. And I think either week one or preferably week zero, do the FCS kickoff. And I'm curious on the Idaho State thing. And honestly, Vandals, because I think a lot of Vandals are actually going to be really pissed that I even suggest this. Play it in Boise. And, you know, only for a couple of years does it have to, it's only going to be every, what, three or four years where we have to find a way to make this game on a neutral site. You make it on a neutral site, you go play in Boise. I know people are going to be like, well, nobody wants to play in the blue. Screw those guys. It's already crappy. We had to play three bowl games on the blue instead of getting to travel. But I think you have a real opportunity here with it being week zero FCS. You look at this year and kind of even last year with Sanford Youngstown. They've really blown this FCS week zero kickoff game from what it was when NDSU played Montana in 2016 or 2015, whatever it was. And they've had a couple really good games with like Jacksonville State Eastern and stuff like that. And then now they have like just terrible games. And I think it's like what Central Arkansas and Austin P this year or something. So. I think if you could get these two rivals, Idaho, Idaho State, it would help build the rivalry. It's national, you know, it's going to be nationally televised the only week on. You get it in a big stadium like Boise, so that becomes a bigger event. And I know for Idaho, their biggest alumni base is in Boise in the Ada County area. I'm assuming Pocatello is similar. So maybe you don't sell out the whole stadium, but I imagine if we sold out for bowl games, people would get up for a nationally televised game in Boise when they're not willing to drive up the goat trail to Moscow or I-84 all the way across to Pocatello. I think this has a real shot. You put this on week zero, you put it in Boise, and the best part is you make it an every three-year thing it's in Boise. That way, then you switch back because otherwise there's no good way to make it home and home because we play in Pocatello in 2020, and then we have to go to uh, – then it's in the Kibbe Dome. So who gets to host it in 2021? It's, so I think you put it in Boise. Eventually they're going to build that soccer stadium downtown, hopefully, fingers crossed, or you figure something out. Um, so you're only playing in Boise for hopefully one year, maybe two, as far as Bronco Stadium, Albertson Stadium, wherever the heck they're calling the Smurf turf these days. And then you get to play it in a much more Frisco-type environment, where that's an MLS stadium that holds about 22,000. You get a stadium in Boise for an NASL team that's going to probably hold about fifteen to 16,000, so about the size of the Kibbe Dome. I think you could play that game in there, and it'd be the perfect size for a game like this. But because it's the first one like this on week zero, I think putting it in Bronco Stadium, you'd actually probably do all right with attendance. So I'm I'm all in on this idea, and I kind of want to game, gain some steam that we schedule Idaho State out of conference when they're not on our schedule. Because it's ridiculous that Idaho State isn't on our schedule when they're an in-state rival. Ah, okay. All right, yeah, as an out-of-conference game, that and it also gives both teams an opportunity to get an extra SCS win for playoff discussion. Yeah, later. instead of playing Simon Fraser, let's play Idaho State. Like, that makes way more sense to me. 
it's like a modern version of the old Southern homecoming, right? Uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, now that, now that I've heard it like that, that's very intriguing to me. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That is, that's really intriguing. And I think it's an idea worth pursuing. Cause I mean, it's better that we play you guys there, you know, it's it's better that we play you guys on a regular basis for the rivalry alone. Yeah. You know, rather than us just, you know, waiting, like waiting to play you guys. Like we wait to play Montana and Montana state every year. You know, I like it. I'm not kidding either. Like we go every, every four years we get a chance to host Montana in Pocatello. Yeah. I, I unfortunately wasn't there the last time that we hosted Montana because I was deployed overseas. So I haven't, I haven't seen Montana football at Holt Arena since, like, God, it has to have been since, like, 2015, I think. Like, almost five years. <laughs> yeah. And, Chris, I, I really like the idea, and I think one of the one of the benefits of the way you brought it up. By the way, listeners, if you, if you go to one of the meetings with Athletic Director Golick, please bring this up. I'm absolutely not kidding. We don't ask you to do a lot. Seriously, bring up the idea. How do we make Idaho State happen every year? Chris, when we were at Media Days last year, Rob Fennessy pitched the idea that Idaho, Idaho State should be just like Montana, Montana State every year, penciled yep, in as the last the game of the year. In this scenario, this lets us at least make up for it in a different way of, okay, if it's not going to be the last game of the year, it's the first game of the year where there's not not as much competition for eyeballs, which means the, the likelihood of attendance should be better. Yep. Um, I like the neutral field idea. Plus, I feel if you do it week zero, fair. then you don't even have to deal with Boise State because nobody in the FBS is playing. So we would be the only game not only in the state that weekend, but one of the – because, what, there's like four games that weekend? You'd be one of four games on the entire weekend. So I think as the FCS general fan, you're more likely to watch Idaho, Idaho State because, like we said, to everybody on the outside, that sounds like a big game. Then you would, like, watch Delaware versus – Illinois State, like I think more general people would be like, well, I'll tune in to see Idaho play Idaho State over, you know, New Hampshire playing Cal Poly. From the Idaho State angle, the only way to make that 2021 game work is there's one game they likely – okay, well, there's two. They'd have to look at um, hoping the other team would agree to kill the contract. Uh, I'm pretty sure Idaho State doesn't want to bail on playing North Dakota in 2021. Cause that's an FCS game. So Idaho State would would likely have to look at the Probably BYU Nevada. game on November 13th or the Nevada game on September 11th. Yeah, I think you do Nevada on September 11th because BYU is going to pay you more money. And as far as Nevada, I'm not sure what they're going to pay you, but I'd imagine somewhere between 200 to you know 450, 500,000. If you do a 50-50 revenue split at Bronco Stadium plus the TV money, because that would be a week zero game, I actually think you'd break out very similar, maybe not as much as playing at Nevada. but Or you drop North Dakota, because the only problem is if you drop Nevada, then you have week two and week three that would be a buy for Idaho State, which might create a – I don't know if they want to take two weeks off in a row – where if you just drop North Dakota, you play week zero, bye week, week one, then you play week two, bye week, week three. But, I mean, I they got two, two years weeks. to figure it out. I mean, what's, Ross, what do you think? Would you rather, if you had to drop North Dakota, 
Nevada and BYU, thinking not as a fan here, but as athletic director who's got to find a way to make this realistically happen. I mean, what game do you think is most likely to get dropped off? And at that case, is it worth dropping it off to play Idaho and Boise? Nevada. No, yeah. uh, that that's a no-brainer, Nevada, because you can because North Dakota, you can make the argument that it's for the SDS is for positioning yourselves for a run at the SDS playoffs, and especially as a Western SDS school. Getting S getting extra SDS games on your schedule is a pain. You know, it's 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 a real pain in the ass because Western there's not much of an SDS presence in the West anymore. It's it's mostly been. Um, you know, especially after the 1990s when a lot of California schools dropped their FCS programs. So absolutely, you keep North Dakota. You keep BYU because it's a good payday, because it's a game that a lot of your fans can travel to. And it's uh, it's it, the, the, and, uh, it's very easy for travel costs. You just hop on a bus and you can be down there in three and a half hours and stay at a hotel. It, it, whereas Nevada, Nevada's out there their payday is probably not going to be as good as to what BYU is going to be paying yeah. you it's isolated out in the middle of nowhere so you're really not going to get a lot of your own fans out there except for you know maybe you know maybe your 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 boosters and your diehards but you know even I wouldn't go out to Reno it's to, it's it's just it's difficult to get to and it doesn't really do anything for for your program i mean yeah we beat them in 2017 which is fantastic but I mean, that's probably still going to be a really bad taste in their mouths the next time we go and play them. So, you know, they're going to be up for that game. And, you know, when you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to keep bodies healthy, that's not something that you want as a really pissed off FBS team with, you know, 20, 30 more scholarships power than you do that's money. for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, from from a pragmatic standpoint, from a, from a pragmatic viewpoint, I'm looking at dropping Nevada. I'm keeping North Dakota and BYU all day, uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And for, for Idaho fans to keep in consideration, so that would mean for us, we're dropping Simon Frazier, who's a D2 or lower team from Canada, so it doesn't count towards FCS playoffs. Uh, so then you're playing, hopefully, Idaho State Week 0. Maybe you can get it on Week 1, but then that would mean Idaho State's probably dropping that North Dakota game. Then you have Indiana away, which I believe in this article I said in 2021 is paying us $1.1 million. So, yeah, you're keeping that on there. Then we've got Oregon State, who's paying us a cool, like, 650000 So you're keeping that one on there. So get rid of the D2 game. Then you have two FBS games that don't hurt you in terms of making the playoffs. Then you're at Sac State. So then you don't your bye week would be week one and week five if you played Idaho State. Week zero, and you're only giving up a D2 or lower game. So for Idaho, it makes absolute sense to get rid of Simon Fraser and the people that get pissed that it's in Boise. I I just say, well, one, you got to look at it from the strategic standpoint that there's no way Idaho State's going to agree to come up to. Well, maybe not. We thought the same thing with Eastern, but you would not think that Idaho State is willing to travel to the Kibbe Dome two years in a row. And we know sure as hell Idaho is not going to want to go to Pocatello for two years in a row. The only way to do it is have it be a neutral site game every three years when it falls off the schedule. And like I said, eventually Boise is going to have another stadium that isn't Bronco Stadium that will actually probably be able to fit this game at a proper size when it's not this big National Week Zero event. And then we work on scheduling out years and years in advance to where it's not Week Zero and we can get it like Week 12 or at least later in the year. But, I mean, I I'm ready to... I'm all in on this. It sounds like I've won you guys over, so now we just got to win over the generic public of 
the the bang the I don't know what you guys call yourself the bouncing bangles and the vandal faithful and uh, <laughs> get it get it on the schedule. I um so so basically in summary, ladies and gentlemen, he's suggesting that for the years that we don't play each other, we schedule a neutral site game. Yep. So when we're on the schedule, we're still playing in the Kibbe, and Idaho's still going to play in Holt as we trade yep. as we trade blows there, but. On the years that we're not on the schedule, until they get until the conference gets that rectified, the neutral side idea at least keeps the rivalry alive until we're back on the schedule. Exactly. I'm all in on Idaho State. I really want it to become a game. I actually think I, I just really want it to be where Boise State has nothing. Like even Bronco fans will be like, Oh, Idaho Idaho State's this weekend. Like, oh, who are the Broncos playing? Oh, uh, San Jose State, yeah, I'm going to drive to Moscow or I'm going to go to Pocatello or I'm going to go to the neutral site game and I don't care to watch the Broncos. And I think that's the best way for, especially Idaho fans that are super bitter about how that went, to really rub the salt in that program for them choosing not to play us. We can realize that you kind of needed us more than we needed you because now we have Idaho State, we have Montana, we have Eastern Washington, we have three fantastic rivals that make sense for us where you guys have a once-in-every-three-year rivalry with Fresno and Nevada and BYU. and So I'm all in on it because I think Boise State, that's the one thing they overlooked is they have no natural rivals where Idaho has ones that make absolute sense, like Eastern and Idaho State, and then one of the most historic rivals in all of college football with Montana um, going back to the 19, early 1900s. So, And remember, ladies and gentlemen, when Boise State loses – the rest of America wins. Everybody so this is, wins. This is a fantastic idea. Ross, getting iced. What do you got for Brian and I? All right. So I've been thinking this one over for a little while. And um, I decided um, I'll just ask you guys straight up. So how do you guys how do you guys feel about uh, about your basketball coaching hire? Bad before I before I went off the social media grid for a while to focus on my thesis, I had uh, I had uh, I, I saw that there were some rumblings about the about you know Vandal fans who were for it, Vandal fans who were really against it. I guess I heard that the the Vandal fan board online was having like a like we're having conniptions over the uh, the decision. So what's your guys' take on it? I believe all Vandals. I don't remember who wrote it, but I believe I read that the comment was Vandal Athletics are officially dead. Brian checks out <laughs> a little bit more than me, so that. He could correct me on that, but oh, savage! I mean, to to say it, summarize, I guess last week's episode as much as possible, because I'm sure some Idaho State fans might listen to this that aren't going to go back and listen to our Zach Kloss gets hired episode. In basic, we know hindsight; it could have been a lot worse, and obviously, we're going to root for Zach Kloss. We are more upset, or at least I'll speak for myself, and I'll let Brian cover his. I just am upset by the process because I feel like there was not a actual search. And when we have an athletic director who has ties to the – came from the University of Wisconsin, I expect that she knows somebody that's bounced through that program that's an assistant coach maybe at like a smaller school in the southeast or the eastern seaboard that's really looking for a shot to be a young and upcomer because, um, I mean, that's a solid program that we had a chance to pick some young talent from. And I feel like it was just a missed opportunity. But Zach Kloss is a great vandal, so I can't be too upset about it. I will say it sucks that after he got hired, these are the two results we got. Because now it's like, oh, well, maybe the worst-case scenario is true. And it is the death of vandal athletics. 
My take is similar to Chris in that I'm not anti-Kloss. The process of not having a coaching search, or at least one that we're aware of, and by the way, for the listeners, the reason we say that is because typical coaching searches take place when the season is over, when who's available and who's not. That yeah. obviously didn't happen for us. There is a guy who I wish Idaho would have taken a very long look at, who Ross is familiar with. His name's Jared Fay. Uh, Jared Fay was extremely successful at both North Idaho College, Community College of Coeur d'Alene, and at College of Southern Idaho, Community College of Southern Idaho. He's a kind of lifer for this area. He's a guy who, you know, one of the concerns about, like, when you're doing essentially a factory reset that we're looking at is, look, do you get a guy who maybe is hot and is going to bounce out, or can you get lucky and get the guy who creates your next coaching tree? Kind of like in football, we we lived off the Dennis Erickson coaching tree for a while. By the way, we lived off that because Dennis Erickson was there for a few years. Jared Fay, I thought, had a chance. If he was the guy we selected, he could have been that guy. He's hmm. he's uh, he's lived in this area for a long time. So one of the questions we've had from other Big Sky guys is, who could you get to come to Moscow? And I don't think that's a reasonable question because if you look at the rest of the Big Sky Conference, a lot of teams have good coaches that aren't destination places like Northern Colorado. They have Jeff Linder. He's a great coach. Oh, uh, Moscow man. could Moscow could have gotten a guy, um, and Jared Fay is an example of a guy who could have been great for us. Um, but I think the way Vandal fans have to view this is: look, you got to pretend. And I hate to say this because it's us living in the world of moral victories, but I'm mostly trying to talk about this about how do Vandal fans not want to shoot themselves when their team's been so bad uh, for so long? We got to view this as: look, the, this is 80% not Klaus's guys. If we had hired an assistant coach from a solid mid-major program and didn't have this first year to look at, we'd be excited. Mm -hmm. So what we have to hope is that the reason it was so bad is because Zach Kloss didn't actually get very many of his guys and that we'll see an actual reset next year. Uh, but in short, what I can tell you is the enthusiasm you typically see with a new coach, probably like what Idaho State had when they first got robbed Tennessee for football, it's just not but because we've we've already seen results, so he'll he'll kind of have to turn himself around if that makes sense to build up enthusiasm. Whereas a new hire, typically you're just given enthusiasm anyway. Do you wish Idaho had a better national image? Do you want Idaho to find the next great coaches and maintain all the great ones they already have? What about winning more Big Sky national championships? Well, these are all things that your local Vandal Scholarship Fund is a part of. All that and much more while fulfilling their most important mission, making sure all of our student athletes are awarded scholarships. There's no better time than now to give to the VSF. ICCU Arena has broken ground. Our student athletes are reaching historic marks on the courts, the fields, the pools, and most importantly, in the classrooms. Show our new leadership how proud you are to be a Vandal and that you are excited to help. Donate to the VSF today and help reclaim Idaho's lost decade and i just want i've my company is doing a match now and the, i just found out that the vandal scholarship fund is actually one that they match on so for everybody out there that also has employee giving donation matches actually look i was surprised to find that out so i set up now for my donation to come out of my paycheck directly and then my company will match up to 200 dollars, and then after that they'll quit but that and then i also signed up with all the eastern washington stuff was that two three weeks ago I signed up for a reoccurring donation to the uh, the ICCU arena. Linebacker spotlights, Brian. 
We're going to start like we have on all these. We're going to read down from class down. Uh, so you might notice we'll start with some guys you don't know, and then in the middle you're going to see some guys you know because, as you're about to find out, we have a lot of really young contributors in our linebackers um, room, starting with number four, Robert Miller, a six foot, 204-pound redshirt senior. He played in three games last year, had six tackles. So a contributor. A big one, number seven, Charles Acano, who is six foot, two hundred and forty-seven pounds, and also a redshirt senior, played in eight games last year with forty-four tackles. But I was confused by that. And Brian, I'm he got hurt in the Eastern Washington game, wasn't it? it was the Idaho State game? It was the Idaho I, State I game? Went out. So I knew I knew it was a rivalry, but I was like, when I saw eight games, I felt like he didn't play. A full. I thought he only missed a couple games, or like only played in a couple games. But apparently, he did play in a lot more games than I remember. That that might make sense then. But um, we'll cover everybody here shortly. Uh, number one, Christian Ellis, six three, two hundred and thirty three pounds, senior, true senior, eleven games, hundred and four tackles last year. Number eleven, Jalen Jenkins, six one, two hundred and ten pounds, senior, seven games, twenty tackles. Number thirty four. Leonic Tomba, 6'1", 236-pound, senior, 12 games, so played in all 12, 36 tackles. Number 31, Taylon Davis, 5'10", 197-pound, redshirt junior, 6 games, no stats. Number 54, Christian Blackburn, 6'3", 219-pound, redshirt junior, 8 games, 3 tackles. Trey Walker, 6'1", 235-pound junior, played in 12 games, 138 tackles, fifth for the nation in solo tackles. Number 30, Ross Chatterton, 6'1", 217-pound redshirt sophomore, one game, no stats. Number 40, Edward Becker, 6'0", 230-pound redshirt sophomore, two games, no stats. Number 10, Coleman Johnson, that is Noah Johnson's younger brother, 6'0", True sophomore, eight games, two tackles. Number 14, Tanner Brooks, 6'4", 224-pound sophomore, no stats. Number 24, Sully Shannon, true sophomore, 6'1", 205 pounds, 11 games, 30 tackles. Number 40, Hogan Hatton, 6'2", 218-pound, true sophomore, seven games, five tackles. Guys coming in that you should expect to see. Fave Fave, six foot, two hundred and twenty-five pound transfer from Wazoo. In two years, played in seventeen games with the Cougs. Uh, Kamari oh. Bailey, six four, two hundred pound uh, athlete, we'll call it, um, out of actually Birmingham, UK, but played a little bit of high school down in Utah recently. And then Derek Tomasini, Tomasini, yeah, Tomasini, six one, two hundred thirty-two pounds. From Eagle, Idaho. Brian, we'll, we'll cover the main guys and guys we expect to be contributors here. Um, I guess with that, I'll let's just talk expected starters. I don't know. Who do you kind of expect to be our starters going into next year? And then we'll kind of break down those guys because there's, there's a lot of names we just listed. And I will say, if I was a coach on the staff, I would want to be James Schultz because the linebacker room is absolutely stacked with probably the most amount of studs on our entire team. And we saw that last year with a lot of injuries coming up, but we still had the depth to where you didn't notice an extreme drop-off in play. We were playing at an extremely high level uh, at the linebacker position last year. 
tapered off a little bit to just be a very good uh, linebacking core last year. So, Brian, we run a 3-4 set. How do you kind of see the the four guys playing out for us next year? No, first I want to vouch for what you said. We have spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about things we wish were different, need to be different in Idaho sports. We're not talking about one of those areas right now. No. Uh, we we have a very good chance of having the best linebacking core in the league. Yeah. Hell, we, we were pretty close to having the best linebackers in the league last year, and we graduated exactly zero of our top contributors. Nope, not so, a one. By the way, and of our of our returning guys, you, know, you said we run 3-4. Mm-hmm. Um, Pencil and Christian Ellis become all-big sky talent. Pencil and Trey Walker, because he's returning second team all-big sky talent. Uh, Pencil and Charles Ocano become because had he not gone down with his injury, he would have been first or second team as well. And I think the other guy we got to be hopeful for is that Fave Fave translates the way you'd hope he would. He had two and a half sacks last year at Washington State, kind of left the team abruptly. If you read about when he left the team, Leach actually didn't even know he was leaving the team until Fave Fave announced it, which I don't know if that tells you more about Mike Leach or just the situation. Uh, I heard but, that was actually the reason he left Washington State was because he lost Fave Fave. He was like, without him, we're screwed. I've got to jump ship. I have heard I, – I can't confirm or deny who I heard that from, but I believe it's out there somewhere on the interwebs. No, no, so you, obviously you're correct. But, uh, yeah, I'd say Fave Fave is the guy you got to hope. you got to hope he would be a starter because that means he's – translating the way you'd hope a Pac-12 the Big Sky drop down would be. Uh, but keep in mind, Leo Tomba, in, he became a starter when Charles O'Connor went down last year. Leo Tomba played pretty well. Um, so I think maybe before Fave Fave has actually been on the team, you'd say it's probably Leo Tomba's position to lose, but that you would hope Fave Fave is the guy who takes it over. I think – this is this is hard, and I'm probably this is where I'm gonna whip. But I'm gonna try to give you guys my absolute best guess at this. So I think in your your Buck Jack position, you're probably gonna see Charles Ocano. Uh, he just he fits that role, and he was kind of playing that before he got hurt, which is why he's racking up all the kinds of just sacks and everything. Is he's really good at pass rushing. But what I'll say about that is obviously we had Christian Ellis. I'm pretty sure, or sorry, uh, Caden Ellis. A couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure he played every single role in the 3-4. So I think every year he got moved into – started at Sam, then was middle, then was playing Buck at the end for a bit while also playing Will. So Bresky's not afraid to move these guys around. Uh, but I would think I would pencil in Charles Ocano as that kind of – if you're going to put – if he was going to be your pass rusher lining up you know, on a tackle, that's who I'm expecting to do it. At your will, I actually think you could probably see Soli Shannon. I think he's going to take a lot of steps forward for how much he contributed as a true freshman last year. Um, I think there's a really good shot that he gets it. Trey Walker makes absolute sense as our as our Mike linebacker. Um, I, he just, I mean, like I said, he was lead, fifth leader in uh, solo tackles last year. That that he is your Bobby Wagner. He's a guy who can just come up in the hole, and make the play a guy who should have got more love um, in the national awards last year. And I think because he was so young, that's where you're going to see it this year. Then Christian Ellis penciled in. If, if there is any guy I'm putting money on starting, it's Christian Ellis. I mean, he started since he was a true freshman. He's been healthy for pretty much every single game he's been in. 
But that being said, we have a really strong core. So you should expect Fave Fave to probably rotate out with Charles Ocano, especially coming off his Achilles injury. So I expect Fave Fave to really just rotate snaps at the pass rushing side of it. And then I believe with you, I think it's actually an open competition between Soli Shannon and Leo Tamba. But I think that is 100%. Whoever loses that is not going to be that much worse than the other guy. And I expect that position to see a lot of rotating in and out. Other guys I expect to be major contributors, Hogan Hatton and Jalen Jenkins. I think those are both guys that you'll see starting to get major roles in here. And just to give everybody kind of a, a, a play there, right, that everybody that we just mentioned, Logan Hatton is a sophomore. Sully Shannon is a sophomore. Um, Trey Walker is a true junior. Uh, then you've got Leo Tamba is a senior. Jalen Jenkins is a senior. Christian Ellis is a senior. And Charles Ocano is a redshirt senior. So we're finally kind of getting up there in age with these guys. We've had the benefit of them being youthful. But I guess something I want to cover is when Ed Hall left and Lashley and Caden Ellis, we thought that we were in for a little bit of problems. We we're like, oh, we have Ty Graham. We have Christian. Then Ty Graham transfers. And then we came up with this class. And I think you can see there's a lot of guys on this roster that are set to kind of be that next generation of Trey Walkers and Charles Oconos in a guy like Soli Shannon and Coleman Johnson and Hogan Hatton, Talon Davis. And I think having Kermari Bailey, I think is an interesting guy. I think he will probably cover him more as an opportunity to play at some D end, but a guy that can hundred percent transition into the linebacker role. If we need it, I think he's just better set to be a D end. And then I actually think Derek, Tom, uh, Tomasini is actually a guy who eventually is going to be another one of those major contributors at 6'1", 232 pounds. If him and Bailey are not guys you need this year, you slap red shirts on them. Now you have next year a couple guys that will be true juniors and then two guys who could play right away as redshirt freshmen. I think just this linebacker room is ridiculous how stacked it is. I mean, honestly, we have – if you were a crummier team, which is funny saying it from Idaho, but a really bad defensive team, for instance, like a northern Arizona, I think three-fourths of our linebackers could start on northern Arizona's linebacking court. Oh, dude, absolutely. I mean, we look. We already went over. We had three, three all all conference level starters last season. Uh, if if you factor in Charles Ocano, who, when Ocano went down, going over Charles Ocano's stats, it's it's just something in defense. Uh, sometimes it's just harder to do because you know throwing a touchdown is pretty easy stat to talk about. Mm -hmm. Charles Ocano led our of the linebackers. He in season he had the most pass breakups with eight. He also had the most QB hurries with eight, and I believe he had the most forced fumbles with four. Um, that's a guy that we we didn't have for yeah. the last one. Still new. Our linebackers are going to be a strength, and this is an area. Look, we've we spent a lot of the last two years being frustrated with Paul Petrino for reasons we don't have to relitigate. But for the people who have faith in him, if you still exist, linebackers are who you should point to. As look, he brings talent here. You know we. If you listen to Big Sky Media last year, you probably heard a lot about Dante Olsen because you should have. Well, you know what? The guys who might take that spot over this year are potentially Charles Ocano, mm -hmm. Trey Walker, Christian Ellis, and possibly Fave Fave. I guess the real question here is, I, I, I want to know, Ross, I, I mean, I'm sure you don't follow Vandal Athletics like obviously we do, but do, any, do you recall any of our linebackers being – huge disruptors against Idaho State or anybody as somebody who isn't a Vandal fan that you remember hearing about 
I guess in terms of like how most people in the Big Sky knew about Josh Buss and most people know about Dante Olson. Was there anybody on Idaho's linebackers, or you can just tell us on your de- our defense in general that has kind of transcended into that player that everybody in the Big Sky has at least heard of? Um, the names don't ring a bell for me, but I do know that quite a lot of us that were up at the Kibbe that day uh, back in October were were in awe at the how disruptive a lot of your guys' linebackers were. Like none of our like like our running game couldn't get comfortable. The passing game constantly was constantly disrupted. We didn't get comfortable. We didn't get we we couldn't establish a rhythm, which is so crucial for our offense, especially with some of the talent that we had with Mike Dean, Ty Flanagan, Malachi Rango and those guys, right? Mm-hmm. And like like and the huge component of that was your linebacking play your linebackers constantly had showed different looks that threw us into confusion and really kept us off balance that whole game so yeah absolutely your guys' linebacking core was outstanding before we end this one brian is there anything on any of these guys you really really want to cover if so now's time to do it if not uh the one thing i do want from you before we close out on linebackers this year because I mean, we could. It's weird how we can spend so much time on positions we suck at or worried about, but when we have a really good position, it's so easy just to be like, I mean, we can't explain everybody to you guys because most of these guys you've already heard of, they're all the established starters from last year. Every actually, every single one of them, except we have some new flood coming in. But I want to know if you can predict some awards for any of these guys. Like, are there anybody that you think this guy is going to get an award or I recognition? Just, like I just spent Big a Sky while. Stuff Look, like I that. just spent a while. Look, I just spent a while going over Charles Okano, but another thing that I didn't get to, because, look, even though he played a short season, he was one of the best players in the conference last year. Um, of our linebackers, he had the most tackles for loss at 13.5. Christian Ellis was number two at 12.5. And by the way, the individ- individual stats, of course, are dictated by the position they play with him, because not all linebackers are the exact same thing, of course. It's not like basketball where, like, you just guard a guy. Um, but Charles Okano had the most tackles for loss for us at 13.5 he had the second most sacks i believe of our linebackers at 3.5 christian ellis had 4.5 but charles Cano's last game was idaho state um he Akano is the guy that i would say look if we're gonna have like a defensive player of the year it's gonna be Akano. Uh, but if i i have no problem saying idaho puts at least two puts two linebackers on first team all big sky uh, Charles Okano, and then either Christian Ellis or Trey Walker, one of those two. Yeah, see, I'm actually uh, kind of with you on this. I think the only problem is I don't see the conference giving us all three linebacker spots, which sucks because I think there's literally a good shot that all three of them can make it because nobody else is really like returning Troy a threat. Anderson's playing too. That's true, Troy. Well, if he can stay healthy after they put him at quarterback and tight end and running back and every other position that Montana State seems to put Troy Anderson at. But, yeah, that's a good point. He is there. I do think Trey Walker, if Idaho can do a little bit of Montana, and this guy is coming off saying I was the fifth leading solo tackler, which the big knock on Dante Olson last year was Montana just keep throwing him nice little assisted tackles for kind of like touching a guy with his toe um, when there was a pile to lead the nation in tackles. I think you could do something like that with Trey Walker. If he could lead the nation in solo tackles and still have really high in total tackles, I think that's a guy you look at for defensive player of the year. The only thing that I think that would hurt him is the fact that he's not a senior. Um, so I, I say there's probably a chance Christian Ellis 
and Charles Acano. I could see Christian Ellis making all Big Sky or sorry, all conference. I could or <laughs> all conference, same thing. All American. I could see Christian Ellis being an All American. I think you're right that Charles Ocano has a really good shot at probably making like a second team All American, if not All American. Um, seriously, I mean, from what he did with eight games, I'm being completely honest. Not even trying to you know blow smoke up people. Trey Walker. I think unfortunately because of that and being the younger of the three, you probably see him be first team or well no if those two are all American he'll probably get like second team All Conference because I think you're right Troy Anderson's gonna get love. But I mean these three guys have a really good shot and then I honestly think you have a chance of Fave Fave winning like newcomer of the year, depending on how we use him, and depending on how injuries go. Obviously all this is pending that all these guys get to play all eleven games this year. If not, Fave Fave has a really good shot of being like a newcomer of the year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I know that award tends to go offensively, but I mean, we were at BD days, but Prino said last year he expected like Coyote Rufai or uh, Devontae Jinright or one of these guys to make a newcomer of the year award. This, this is the guy I think on the defensive side that is best set for us to have a shot at the newcomer of the year award in the big sky this year. Oh, exactly. And it's not, and you know, it's two things at once. He's a drop down, which, you know, you see that uh, at a position like linebacker, you, what you know for sure is if the guy's dropping down at least that at least the athleticism is there, mm-hmm. but he contributed some at Washington state. Yeah. So it's not like this is a guy who we're just saying, Hey, he might contribute because he made the team. No man, the guy saw the field. The, this was, this is a pretty big get for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, that leads us into hashtag AskTATC, which the only one we really have, which was fair, is I should probably get it right on who said it because it was somebody who doesn't typically ask us questions. But I believe it was just saying the only question to ask is what happened to the King Spud Trophy? Ross, we just want to hear it from your perspective. Are you aware of the King Spud Trophy? Does it hold as high as prestige? In Pocatello, Idaho, as it does in Moscow, Idaho. And how do we get this thing back? Because from what we've been told, it's in Pocatello. Oh, man. King Spud. Yes, I'm aware of the trophy. It's one of the most hideous-looking things I've ever seen in my life. Um, I would say as far as prestige now in 2020, I would say that the bottle of Bacardi in my freezer has more prestige than it. Um it's it's i mean i would like to find it just to preserve it as a historical oddity but uh man king spud yeah like i've heard rumors that it's disappeared in some storage in the university i've heard i've heard rumors it's somewhere in like the basement of the library i've i've heard rumors it's somewhere in the administration building on on campus but uh no one really knows for sure where it is and i'm Pretty sure if you asked anyone outside of Idaho State University, you're probably going to get some blank stares. <laughs> yeah, so it, it seems that we have discovered it, Vandal fans. They know where it is, and they're downplaying its importance so they can keep it. Well, I will neither confirm nor deny those details, good sir. Your government thanks you for your cooperation. <laughs> I don't know if you could – we were told, and Rob Fennessy loved it, so maybe you can tell the story of Rob Fennessy to Ross. Well, Ross and listeners – and when Chris and I went to Media Days last year, which I believe we'll be making a return trip to this year, we one of the things that we asked 
both Paul Petrino and Rob Fennessy was whether they would support bringing King King Spud back as a trophy, but for the football game now instead of the basketball game. And we didn't explain this, but just because bas- football is a much better attended game, and we it's a way to make it more of an event. So we showed the trophy to Paul Petrino. He kind of like smiled and nodded like we're the dumbest people he'd seen in his life. Which is, <laughs> yes, yes. Sure, whatever. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, hey, no, no pushback, dude. Um, I, I have my own hot takes too. So we show it to Rob Fennessy, and he he actually takes my phone away from me. Um, he didn't like rip it out of my hands, but like he he wanted to see the phone for a closer look. He then pulled. He he said he's absolutely game for something like that. He would love to do that. Anything to bring excitement to the game. He then, when our interview was done, he pulled Bobby Houck aside to show him the the King Spud trophy, because then because Rob Fennessy then looked it up on his own phone because we had we talked him too like oh yeah here's how you find it on Google, and yeah he showed Bobby Houck's trophy, to you know show him how ugly the trophy was. Um, now I, I'm okay with this, but uh, my joke about the trophy looking like a sexual predator definitely didn't <laughs> land as funny to the coaches. <laughs> No, um, <laughs> did not. I'll, 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 oh, I'll, I'll forgive them, <laughs> man. I'll forgive them, but like full disclosure, there's no way. Like if we weren't actual media, I mean, come on. Like, like, am I wrong? It doesn't look like a sexual predator. True, we are not actual media too, so we have to have more fun with it. Hell, our podcast is and in if you're tubs curious about it, listeners, Google King Spud Trophy. Look at images. It's the ugly one. It, it's not possible to miss. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the uh, SID was there, and Rob Fennessy tasked him with finding it for us. So we will be following no. up with Rob, Senny, Rob Fennessy at Media Days, so Wax Party Pants will be happy. But you Idaho State fans, if you are interested, because the Vandal fans already know, if you are interested in getting the King Spud back, and you think this is an awesome trophy, go to teespring.com slash store slash tubs at the club and we have wanted king spud trophy sweaters t-shirts and tanks for sale start wearing them around pocatello because we want that trophy back and we know you have it and you know what uh, i'll just go ahead and add this real quick uh i've uh i mean i'm on board with it and if you guys are really intent on finding that then uh you know i I'm not. I'm not a fan of the trophy. Uh, I think it's, uh, but you know, on History. that, you know, the thinking about that for a second, so hideous that it's got to be good. It's like it's like one of those cult classic movies, like like Mystery Science Theater. You know, it's so terrible, it's good. I think you know what? I'll I'll go ahead and I'll chip in some effort to go find it around. Uh, it, it's got to be around camp. I don't think much of it, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll chip in some effort to help you guys find it. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, that brings us to closing the bar which is our time to remind you guys about everything coming up, especially we are only about a month away from April 17th, which will be our FCS versus FBS debate, clearing of the laundry, live show, the reason we're testing all this fancy YouTube stuff, because we're going to be coming to you live in Moscow before the spring game um, with the whole tubs of the club staff. We have some special guests that will be coming too. It's going to be a bit of an event. Um, you can also buy T-shirts for that that say FCS or an FBS or so we know where you land. Um, next week we have big news, Brian. I'll let you break this. It's about our guest. We have as part of our yeah, man, as part of our preview for the Big Sky Men's Basketball Tournament, Lance Hartzler, beat writer for NAU. Um, he's going to be on here. He's one of the guys like Sky Basketball on Twitter. 
he is the guy who I called, and I may talk to him about this. Uh, he asked me early in the season if Idaho was sneaky good, and I said absolutely not. I may produce my receipts on that at some point. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, Lance is on Twitter to talk Big Sky Basketball with. He's going to be on next week. Yep, so we'll have Lance on next week. And then uh, position spotlight, we switch to the offensive line. So the big uglies, as they're called, we'll, we'll break down who to expect on the offensive line. Um, Ross, guests go first. Let the people know how to find you, which I guess actually right now there is no way to find you. You're a mystery man right now. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, I do feel kind of bad for it because before I axed my social media, I was a fairly large presence. I, I was being followed by you know various people at the Big Sky offices, by you guys, by other Idaho State people and some other entities around the comp. I'm currently on social media hiatus while I uh, finish up my thesis for uh, my master's degree in political science. I'm looking to get back onto Twitter probably sometime in April or May, depending on how my defense goes. So once I get myself reestablished on Twitter, then uh, then I'll be reaching out to a lot of you people so you can all uh, come find me and whatnot. So Brian, let the people know how they can find you. Best place is on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. Um, I keep my takes pretty much Idaho centric and Big Sky centric. If you're also if you're a person who just uses Twitter to curate news about Idaho or Big Sky sports, just give me a follow. I do the work for you. Yep, and you can find me at on Twitter at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you follow the Big Sky Podcast Network at at Big Sky Podcast. Make sure you follow all the BSPN developments. As we said, we've got have just about every single team co- covered now. Well, well, that's not true. But the teams that have large fan bases and growing every day. Uh, so now it is time for the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho, to play us out. Go Vandals. Oh, man.